This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance too with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance, and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. You could spend the weekend doing the same old whatever, or you could conquer the weekend in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com for more details. Hyundai. There's joy in every journey. Hey, everyone. Welcome to the Upper Hand Fantasy Podcast. This is Faraz Siddiqui. Um, let's get right into the news. So uh, a little bit out of 49ers camp. So it seems like Carlos Hyde is not being challenged at all. You know, we thought that Joe Williams, Tim Hightower, even Capri Bibbs, you know, might be involved. Uh, you know, they traded for Kareem Bibbs. They signed Tim Hightower in the offseason. So and they drafted Joe Williams, right? So it seemed like this was just going to be a timeshare. You know, it also seemed like maybe Carlos Hyde just wasn't a fit for the offense, right? So, but in, it seems like he's not being challenged at all, and he's going to be the starter. Um, that's those are the rumblings coming out of Four Niners camp that he's getting all the work. Joe Williams is not ready. Tim Hightower is just a change of pace backup guy. Uh, so I'm going to draft like that. Um, right now, you can get him in the fourth round, and that's really honestly, it's a value. Uh, he catches passes, 49ers are going to be down a lot, but at the same time, you know, he should be, you know, in on third downs and in passing situations. So um, he's a, a really good value right now. And, you know, if he's my RB2, let alone my flex, I'm very happy there. The thing with Carlos Hyde was never whether he was talented or not. And he is, he's a talented running back and we've seen flashes of him in the past, but the problem was, can he stay on the field? Um, that's always been the issue with Carlos Hyde and it continues to be the case. So, you know, obviously when you're drafting him, it's a little bit of a risk, but at his spot, you're, you're potentially getting, um, a legit high end RB two, who's going to give you some RB one weeks. So Josh Doxson seemed like he can't stop getting hurt. <laughs> you know, he, he just has had a bad break ever since coming into the NFL. Uh, he injured his hamstring, so he's not practicing right now. Ryan Grant, you know, he still has a hold in that Pierre Garcon role on the outside. Um, and he's apparently doing well. He's taking advantage of the opportunity. Um, so, you know, we all like to take a shot at, you know, uh, Doxson at the end of drafts. But, you know, he might not be ready for the start of the season, you know, not only because of the injury, but also even if he's back, he's going to have, um, you know, an uphill battle as far as getting used to the offense again, gaining a rapport with Kirk Cousins. Um, doing all that. So, um, you know, he might be drafted, but I assume that he is going to be cut from most fantasy football teams uh, in the first couple of weeks after he's not, you know, uh, producing. Um, and you might be able to pick him up a little bit later in the season um, because he is a really good talent. Um, if he's on the field and he's healthy, you know, he is a, a, a playmaker and a, and a possible game changer. Um, and, you know, he there's a lot of targets to go around in that offense and he can get a bunch. So I would keep an eye on him the first couple of weeks of the season to see if anyone drops him and, you know, uh, monitor his health and monitor whether, you know, he'll be on the field and taken over for Ryan Grant. Good news out of Steelers camp, Martavis Bryant fully reinstated. 
Um, you know, he can he can participate in all preseason activities, including camp, preseason games, etc. So, um, you know, he's going to take a little bit of time to fully integrate back into the offense, but he's very talented and you can go ahead and draft him where he's being drafted right now. Um, I really think that in this offense is just so much more explosive with Martavis Bryant and Bryant will be fine. He might, you know, he might have a slow start and that's okay, but he's a kind of guy who can really win you some weeks. Um, so I don't mind drafting him at all. So just want to talk about Brandon cooks a little bit. Um, you know, I was a little hesitant on drafting Brandon Cooks where he's being drafted right now. And the problem I had was Brady has had a specific target share for the past few years. He's been targeting, targeting the running backs 20 to 25% of the time. Uh, he's targeting Julian Edelman 25 to 30% of the time. Targeting Gronk 20 to 25% of the time. So, you know, I had a hard time, uh, you know, wondering... How is Cooks going to fit into this offense, and how much of a share is he going to have? Brandon Cooks is someone who has provided boom-bust type of value uh, in the past on the Saints. Um, But it seems as though Brady and Cooks actually have a decent rapport. Um, So in camp right now, Cooks is apparently killing it. He's getting a lot of targets from Brady. and, And where Cooks is being drafted right now, honestly, I wouldn't mind taking him now. Uh, just because I see that, you know, in camp, the reports are good. He is not lost in the offense. You know, he, he's he's doing well. So I am coming around a little bit on Cooks. Uh, I definitely want to wait and see how preseason goes and if it continues and, you know, Edelman or Gronk or, any, or the running backs end up getting a huge target share during camp and preseason. Um, but at the end of the day, Cooks is a playmaker. Uh, you know, the Patriots like to run up the score. Uh, so even if they're winning, Cooks is someone who could still, you know, end up doing damage, uh, even in a negative game script for wide receivers. But, you know, honestly, I think uh, Cooks is someone that I'm willing to draft. He's going in at the end of the second round right now in PPR leagues ahead of DeAndre Hopkins, Terrell Pryor, DT, Keenan Allen. And I'm, I'm totally OK with that. Um, we just have to be aware that, you know, in this offense, we can't count on, you know, single playmakers to perform every single week unless they're named Julian Edelman and Rob Gronkowski. So I would, you know, understand that Cooks might give you some some duds, but at the same time, his ceiling is really high on this offense. So, you know, he he's one of those guys who can really win you a week also. I uh, wanted to talk a little bit about Austin Safarian Jenkins. Um, so Quincy Inunua has, you know, he's out for the season with that neck injury, and someone has to step up. Uh, whether it's Ardarius Stewart, Robbie Anderson. But the tight end position is a, a position that hasn't really been used in New York, you know, recently. Um, but Austin Severian Jenkins apparently is a quote-unquote changed man. He, uh, you know, and he's been killing it in camp. And he's been a favorite of Josh McCown. So, you know, if Josh McCown's a starter, I expect ASJ to be someone who he targets often. Um, you know, he has had multiple chances in the past. Fantasy owners have tried to stash him and, and hope for the best. Uh, but I think this is probably one of his last chances. Um, he's an athletic freak. He's a big guy. Um, and he could be someone who gets a bunch of targets in his offense. I mean, there's a lot of targets to go around, but not, not that many playmakers. So this is his chance. 
Um, now, remember, he's suspended the first two games of the season, so honestly, I wouldn't draft him. Uh, you would have to hold him for two weeks on a valuable bench spot, which I'm not personally willing to do because I have to hold two tight ends, and I'm not for that strategy. Uh, I expect him to be in the waiver wire in most leagues uh, You know, by the time week one or week two come to an end. Depends on your league. You should know your league mates. Uh, but I would pick him up around that time so that if he does blow up week three or have a bunch of targets, etc., uh, you know, you have him on your team already and you don't have to waste a, a waiver claim or some fab on him. A little bit of news out of Colts camp, Dante Moncrief. He's back in practice from that shoulder injury, which is a good sign. I, I, I really thought that that injury might be something that could possibly linger. We've seen Moncrief had have you know these type of injuries in the past and they linger over time so good to see that he's back in practice hopefully it's not a reoccurring thing um so so i'm i'm okay with drafting him just want to make sure that luck is okay too um apparently the 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 news surrounding luck is that hopefully you know he's back week one doesn't look like he's going to miss any time but you know i i'm not going to say that he's not going to miss time because you just never know we've seen andrew luck's injuries linger throughout the season as well um, so if he's not ready for week one, you know, uh, especially with a shoulder injury, so I'm not ready, you know, to draft him, to draft T.Y. Hilton or Moncrief at this point, uh, just because of the unknown of the situation. Now, it's totally possible that he comes back week one and just lights everything on fire, Moncrief on fire, T.Y. Hilton on fire, and, that, and that's a likely scenario, but I'm someone who, you know, Moncrief is going in a spot where there are a lot of other you know, very good wide receivers. Now he has more value in standard leagues and most of the guys going around him are PPR guys. So, you know, that's kind of the distinction that I'm trying to make here. But, uh, as far as T Y Hilton goes, he's going very early and I rather go somewhere else just because of the unknown of the situation. A little bit of news out of Kansas city. Kareem hunt is taking some first team reps away from Spencer Ware at this point. So, I would monitor this situation throughout this throughout the preseason and camp, uh, you know, just to make sure that hey, is Ware going to get all the opportunity on early downs, especially if Kareem Hunt is taking some of that work and it's an even split. Um, I'm not ready to draft either of these guys. Kareem Hunt's very talented. Um, I don't think he pushes Spencer Ware out completely. I think that um, you know, the worst comes to worst, they're sharing this load 50 50, uh, but. You know, these kind of situations are tough. I don't think I'm going to be drafting either of these guys uh, just because, uh, you know, the opportunity, you know, isn't large for either of them. But again, monitor the situation throughout preseason. You know, who knows? That third, third preseason game is, is going to be really telling. If Spencer Ware, you know, gets a start and gets most opportunity, then, you know, I don't mind spend, you know, spending that draft capital on him. But if Hunt is getting the opportunity to see what he can do with the first team. Um, that is basically telling me that the team is willing to give Hunt a lot more opportunity if he does a good job with that opportunity. So, you know, if he takes that opportunity and runs with it, then, you know, we, we would see a timeshare here. A little bit of news about Rob Kelly and Samaj Pirine. You know, we assume that there's this huge camp battle between those two. But uh, Rich Tandler, who writes for the Redskins and attending Redskins camp, he doesn't believe that Pirine is challenging Rob Kelly anytime soon. Uh, Kelly and Pirine are both going back-to-back in early in the eighth round. Um, 
But, you know, P. Ryan might, might be a guy who will be relevant later in the season, but he's not the guy who should be drafted at all at this point. Um, we, we obviously have to monitor how preseason goes, but it's not looking like Kelly is in trouble of losing his starting job and doesn't even look like it's, it's going to be a committee at this point. Um, we obviously have to monitor, and like I say this with everything, we have to monitor throughout camp, throughout preseason, um, just to see what kind of opportunity each of them gets. But, you know, from people attending camp, it doesn't seem like P. Ryan, uh, you know, is close to unseating Rob Kelly. So Rob Kelly is going in the eighth round. That's ridiculous value if he stays there. I doubt he'll stay there if this continues to be the same. But um, eighth round, if you're drafting right now, uh, you know, in the next couple of days, you better you better grab Rob Kelly, you know, before somebody else does. And you might have to grab him around earlier just because people are aware um, of his ADP so so low. Um, you know, he you know he he's not the most talented running back in the world, but he doesn't lose yards. He's a grinder. You know, he he gains yards on every play. You know. He, he, he's tough to bring down, and he's their goal line guy. So, you know, Chris Thompson's definitely going to have that third down role, um, and it looks like Rob Kelly still has a hold on that early down role. So in this offense, in a high-powered offense, it's pretty valuable. All right, so that's it for the news. Um, I wanted to talk about DeMarco Murray. Um, I believe that DeMarco Murray is being undervalued right now in drafts. He's going in the beginning of the second round, um, and – you know, he's a guy I like a little bit more than than some other guys drafted ahead of him. Um, so right now, like, Murray is being drafted behind Devonta Freeman and Melvin Gordon, and sometimes even behind Jordan Howard and Jay Ajayi. And I'm trying to figure out why those players are preferred. Um, Murray, you know, he's not old. He's not injury prone. You know, and that's, uh, you know, kind of a knock that a lot of people are saying on him. But he's only missed three games in the last four years, and he's 29 years old. Um, he's the same age as LaShawn McCoy, who most people love. Um, but LaShawn McCoy has had 478 more carries than DeMarco Murray in his career. Um, you know, and we think that LaShawn McCoy is just fine. So why not Murray? 500 more carries than Murray. That, almost 500 more carries than Murray. That's kind of, that's, that's kind of telling, right? Um, and you know, I think the, the other assumption about him is that Derrick Henry will eat into Murray's touches significantly. And, and yeah, you know, that's, that's, that's possible that, you know, Henry will get, you know, a bunch more touches, um, but is he going to eat into it that significantly to the point where Murray, you know, isn't as valuable anymore? But, and I don't think so. Um, Henry had 110 carries and 13 receptions last year. Um, and you know, we can talk about Devontae Freeman and Tevin Coleman, right? You know, we thought Tevin Coleman was going to eat into Freeman's share significantly. Um, and Coleman had hundred carry, 118 carries and 31 receptions after he recorded 89 total touches the year before. Um, so let's say Henry has a slightly larger bump in numbers than Coleman had, right? And remember, Coleman missed a couple games um, going from his rookie season to his second year. Uh, let's say he has, let's say, you know, Derrick Henry has 150 carries and 25 receptions. Let, let, let's say, and that's even given a little bit more to him. Um, Murray's total touches would go down about 50 touches, right? But he'd still be around 300. He had, he had almost 350 touches last season, um, and he did really well with them. Um, and the reason why Freeman didn't lose all those touches to Coleman is because he's clearly the more talented running back. Um, and that's the reason why Murray's going to be on the field most of the time for the Titans as well. Last year, Murray was on the field for all the important plays, um, and he's very capable on any down. Uh, Henry is a capable pass catcher, but he's no DeMarco Murray, right? Murray caught 40-plus catches in each of the last four years. I mean, we don't think of Murray as a pass catcher, but, I mean, we have to. 
40 plus catches in each of the last four years. And this is not, this is on multiple teams, right? Um, out of the last, you know, out of the last four years, he had 50 plus catches, three of those, three of those years of the last four. Um, so, you know, this is a, a team that has one of the best offensive lines in football. Um, it's a team that is built on power running. You know, he was one of the most consistent running backs last year. He was in the top 25, 14 times in standard leagues, only behind David Johnson, LeGarrette Blunt, and Ezekiel Elliott. His ESPN consistency rating last year ranks him third behind Zeke and David Johnson. You know, if we go back um, and look at who the most consistent running backs are since 2014, Murray is by far the most consistent running back in that time span besides Zeke. But Zeke only played one year. Actually, he only played, what, 13 games? 14 games? 15? 15 games. Um, when drafting in the early rounds, right, you know, I like to draft a player, you know, who, you know, who doesn't bust, right, who has a low chance of busting. And I think Murray's bust-proof. Um, you know, so, uh, you know, I really think that, that Murray is somebody who can do a lot on this Titans offense, you know, you know it, and the offense is loaded with weapons now. They're not going to put inferior players on the field and limit what they can do on offense just to get their new shiny running backs and touches. You know, it's a good problem to have. But they're not going to solve, they're not going to make more of that problem by putting in Derrick Henry just because he's new. Um, they definitely want to, you know, limit Murray to the point where he doesn't break down towards the end of the season, and that's totally understandable. But that's going to be the sole purpose of getting Henry some touches, not to get Henry some touches. It's more for not having Murray, you know, have a, a foot injury or so or something like that towards the end of the year. You know, uh, Derrick Henry, you know, he's definitely going to have more touches than he did last year. Uh, but Murray is still going to pump out very dependable week-to-week fantasy numbers in the running and passing game. And if we're really worried about Henry cutting into Murray's time in the field, why aren't we saying the same things about Devontae Freeman? We even have the numbers with Freeman. Freeman was on the field 58% of the time, with Coleman on the field 34% of the time. DeMarco Murray... He was on the field 81% of the time last year. I don't expect the Titans to cut field time for the best player by 25%, which is why I prefer Murray over Freeman, to be honest. Um, You know, they're very close in ranking for me. Um, You know, Freeman, you know, he has to be as efficient as he was last year. Um, So we're kind of counting on that with that low um, field time. But, you know, Freeman can still get it done. Um, And I do expect that offense to regress just a little bit because it was kind of unsustainable. So... Um, I'm just going with Murray as my, you know, you know, it's very likely, you know, it not maybe not very likely, but it's very possible that Freeman, you know, outscores Murray this year in fantasy points. But I would, I would rather bet on Murray, uh, you know, to have a more consistent season week to week. Um, I, you know, and I'll bet on Murray taking 70, 70 to seventy five percent of the snaps this year. Um, and the fact that he's on the field in any game script gives me confidence as well. I also don't like the don't buy the idea of Henry being the exclusive goal line back either. Murray has proven that he's a good goal line back, and the team would really be spiting him if they didn't reward him with goal line attempts after doing everything everything in between the twenties. I like to pick safe, consistent players in the first round, and I don't think I can go wrong with Murray, especially in PPR. So. Uh, there's my case for DeMarco Murray. You know, the reason why I, I bring this up is because I've had a lot of questions about whether, you know, people should draft Jordan Howard or even Todd Gurley, you know, or Jay Ajayi over DeMarco Murray. 
And, you know, it, it's for me, those aren't even questions. DeMarco Murray has got it done uh, on multiple teams. That Those consistency ratings I told you about over the last four years, remember, that includes the year with the Eagles where he, you know, he just didn't fit the scheme. There's my case for DeMarco Murray. Um, you know, I just did a draft recently where I drafted Jordy late because there were a few of those running backs left, you know, in that tier. You know, Freeman got drafted in between that time. Uh, even Jay Ajayi got drafted in between that time. And I was left with DeMarco Murray uh, with the second, you know, in a 12-team league in as the second or third pick in that second round. And I was very delighted to get him there. Um, I thought I thought he was, uh, you know, a bit of a steal. Um, so, so yeah, you can get him, you know, a little bit late in that first round or early second, and I think you got to jump all over it. So, anyway, thanks a lot, guys, for tuning in to the Upper Hand Fantasy Podcast. Uh, follow me, uh, Faraz Siddiqui, on Twitter, F-A-R-A-Z-S-I-D-D-I-Q-I. Uh, follow Upper Hand Fantasy on Twitter, Upper Hand FFB. Uh, on Instagram at Upper Hand Fantasy. Uh, f- like my Facebook page, follow my face- Facebook page, uh, go to upperhandfantasy.com to check out all the articles. I go into this a little bit in more detail. I have a DeMarco Murray article there as well. You can take a look at that. Uh, so yeah, thanks a lot, guys. Uh, have, a, have a great weekend.